John 1.14 says, The Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Our prayer is that you might see God's love and faithfulness as you listen to our Sunday morning message here at First Methodist Bryan. Good morning, good to be with you all here today. My name is Pastor Jeremy Bass, uh, usually the pastor over at the Awakening Worship Service, but it's good to be with you all here while Pastor Rick is still out on sabbatical, here to be with you on this 4th of July weekend. So during the month of July, we're going to be having some different voices be preaching to you all this month. It'll be really fun, and I'm looking forward to the different uh, voices that are going to be lifted up. But uh, we're doing kind of an independent sermons for the month of July, which means that I get to pick my favorite texts to preach from and preach to y'all. So this is one of my favorite stories in Scripture. It's one of my favorite healing miracles of Jesus. And I think that this story teaches us a lot about the heart of God and just our response to the Lord. Because I, in this story, I want us to look at three different type of people that are lifted up here in this story and how each one of us can be one of these people depending on where we find ourselves in our lives. This healing of the paralytic, the healing of the paralyzed man. The first person uh, in this story is the paralytic. And what he needed from Jesus was an encounter with Jesus, that the paralyzed man needed an encounter with Jesus. This story, it starts off by describing this paralyzed man who's lying on a mat and is unable to walk, unable to move, and he is physically in need. And not only that, but by Jesus forgiving this man's sins, we know that he is spiritually in need. And so you have this man who has these spiritual wounds, but also these physical wounds that are in need of an encounter with the Savior. And you have this picture of Jesus who's sitting there teaching the crowds that he's in this house and the room is so jam-packed that the people can't even get into the room to bring this man to Jesus. And it specifically lifts up in this scripture that Jesus is teaching and preaching and that the power of the Lord is upon him to heal the sick. That was essential to the ministry of Jesus, not just to preach and teach, but to heal and show evidences of the kingdom of God in breaking into the world. It was essential to the ministry of Jesus. And suddenly in the middle of this sermon, Jesus has a person lowered to his feet, a person who needed to have a divine encounter with the Savior. I don't know about you, but Jesus has a reaction that I don't know if I would necessarily have if someone just came charging in, carrying a person on a mat, saying, Preacher, heal this person. Uh, Jesus handled it a lot better than I think I would have. And this person comes in, and they, they interrupt Jesus' teaching, and, and they lower him to the feet of Jesus. And I love what Jesus does first, is he says, Son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus forgives this man's sins first before healing his body. In other words, Jesus heals this man's heart before doing the physical miracle in his body. 
Because what this man thought that he needed, what his friends probably thought that what he needed most was for his legs to be healed, for him to be able to walk again, for him to be unparalyzed. But the scripture says that what this man needed most was forgiveness from the Savior. What Jesus often does is he looks at us and he sees the deeper needs within our souls. And Jesus proclaims forgiveness to us as well. Jesus will later physically heal this man. It's not an either or, but a both and in the ministry of Jesus. That the Lord desires total healing for us. And I find often that when Jesus starts healing ministry in our lives, that he starts with our hearts. He starts with our wounds, with the brokenness of our soul, that the Lord desires to come and do a new thing in our heart and soul. And so you see, that's what Jesus does with this healing miracle and this man, that this person is lying on a mat who is spiritually and physically wounded, needing an encounter with Jesus. And what Jesus does is he meets this man in his area of deepest need. He doesn't just sit there with him in his area of deep need, but he brings deep transformation to this man, both in his heart and in his body, that Jesus transforms this man once he encounters him. And when we look at our own lives, and we look at our own areas of deep need, and we look at our own journey of faith, I think there are many times in our lives when we are like this paralyzed man, and all that we really need is an encounter with the Savior. That what we need the most is an encounter with Jesus, a transformative life encounter with the Lord. Oftentimes that comes to us in our area of deepest brokenness, in our times of deep heartache, in our times of our greatest betrayal, in those moments of those childhood wounds that we carry with us that we can't seem to get healing from, in those sins in our lives that we just can't seem to quit and always seem to have a latch in us. It's often in those areas of deep brokenness that the Savior comes and meets us that when we feel like this man on this mat this paralyzed man on this mat who's bruised and broken who needs jesus but doesn't know what to do with his brokenness we need a divine encounter with the lord god almighty what i love too is that when jesus is interrupted he doesn't dismiss the man offhand right jesus is preaching to crowds, he's preaching to a packed house, right? And he doesn't just immediately do the miracle real quick and then move on with his life. Instead, what Jesus does is he focuses all of his attention onto this man. And that gives me great hope that I never interrupt Jesus when I bring him my needs. That Jesus is not bothered with the crowd, that he doesn't focus in on me and my individual needs when I need him. That Jesus is both the God of the church, but he's also the God of each and every single one of us. That Jesus comes and meets each of one of us individually. He sees you. He draws you closer. He brings you freedom and healing and transformation. That when Jesus is interrupted, he isn't bothered by the interruption. He loves to meet with people one-on-one. That's a recurring theme we see throughout the Gospels. And when Jesus comes and meets with each and every single one of us individually, when Jesus brings up our woundedness or shows us our area of deep need, we do not run from it. 
Instead, we do what the paralyzed man here does and brings it to the feet of the God who desires to bring healing and transformation into our lives. When we feel like we have these areas of deep need, we don't run away from them. We take them to Jesus where it belongs. You know, this past week, actually, the Lord revealed something within me that I didn't know that I had. He revealed this kind of deep wound that I, I guess I kind of knew that I carried, but the Lord really put language to it. And when Jesus does that in our lives, when Jesus revealed that to me, he doesn't simply show us these areas of brokenness in our lives just to sort of be like, now you know, good on you, time to move on with your life. No, when Jesus brings these things up within our soul, when Jesus shows us these wounds within our hearts, he does it not simply for awareness's sake, but so that we can meet him in that brokenness and find healing and transformation with him. And so, friends, when you find those things being brought up in your lives, when you find that Jesus is kind of stirring some things within you to not bury them deep inside, but instead get them right to the feet of Jesus where they belong and find healing and transformation there. I don't know much, but what I do know is that Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened to me. That Jesus is the best thing that can ever happen to each and every single one of us. He is the best thing that we can have in this life. Nothing can beat him. And so let's get quickly to his feet. The first person who needed Jesus was the paralyzed man who needed an encounter. And I also notice what happens with this man. He's transformed after meeting with Jesus. It says in verse 25, immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been laying on, and went home praising God. That There's this deep transformation, not only of this man's body, right? He's up and around, and he's taking his mat and is walking. His body has been transformed, but also his soul as well, that he is praising God, that he has literally been transformed from the person lying on the mat to someone standing up praising God and dancing because that is what Jesus does. His paralyzed man needed an encounter with Jesus. The second group that needs an encounter with Jesus were the friends, the friends of this man who knew that their friend needed Jesus, the friends who knew that someone else in their life needed Jesus. And here, this is why it's one of my favorite stories in Scripture, is because of this verse in verse 20. It says this, Then Jesus saw their faith, and he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Jesus saw their faith and said, Friends, your sins are forgiven. In other words, Jesus healed this man not necessarily because of the paralyzed man's faith, but because the faith of the friends of him. It is by their faith, the friends' faith, that this miracle occurs in this gospel story. And I don't know about you, but when I had that revelation, it was incredibly good news because you know what that tells me? It said, Jesus responds to the prayers of my friends even when it feels like I don't have the power to pray myself. Isn't that good news? That these friends were able to lower their friend to the foot of Jesus because they knew if we can only get our friend to Jesus, if we can only have our friend encounter Jesus, then we know Jesus can do incredible things when he encounters him. And that's one thing that I just love about the Christian faith 
It's that the Christian faith is designed for us to rely on one another, that we're supposed to be able to carry each other's burdens, that when our faith is weak, we have other people in our lives that can carry us to the feet of Jesus. Or when we know someone in our lives who's going through trial or uh, temptation, that we can carry them to the feet of Jesus, that we don't have to do this life alone. That's what the church is all about, that we carry each other to the feet of Jesus, that we need one another, that we can rely on one another, that maybe we're like the paralyzed man and we need our friends to carry us to the feet of Jesus. Maybe you're that man and you you have these issues going on in your life and you need the faith of others because it seems like you just don't have any faith yourself right now. And if that's where you find yourself in, know that Jesus says that that's an okay place to be. Because that's where the friend, that's where the healing miracle occurs in this gospel. Not when the man has enough faith for Jesus to heal him, but by the faith of his friends, Jesus heals him. That if you feel like you're barely trudging on, that is an okay place to be at the feet of the Savior. In fact, that's the place where Jesus blesses the paralyzed man. But we need to have people in our lives who can carry us to Jesus through prayer, by having someone to talk to and listen to, have someone to lean on through times of trial, that if you don't have someone like that in your life, to find these Christian friends here in this church that can carry you to Jesus to find healing. Maybe you're one of those friends who are in a good place in your life, but you know of someone in your life, a friend, a family member, or a co-worker that you know needs an encounter with Jesus. What if what the Lord is asking for you to do is to be an intercessor for that person and carry them to the feet of Jesus on their behalf? Because there's, there comes this point in each and every single one of our lives when someone we love in our lives faces trouble and we know that we are powerless to help them. You ever had those moments where you're powerless in your life? And it's in that moment that we always have the choice to say is, I can't do this, but I know the one who can. That I can't, but I know who can. And I know that I will do whatever it takes to get this person to the feet of Jesus. Do we have the tenacity of these friends to carry people in our lives, our loved ones, to the feet of Jesus so that they can experience deep healing that we know that they need? And this tenacity of the friends, the ones who come up to the crowded house And rather than just giving up easily when they see that there's no way for them to walk through the front door to the feet of Jesus, say, I will instead get up on the rooftop, I will open up the roof, and I will lower my friend down to the feet of the Savior. Do we have a tenacity like that, or are we coming to the crowd and we see how hard it gets and we turn away? Jesus is calling us to have the tenacity of friends in this story so that they can experience deep healing. Like I said, I'm having this issue that I'm working through right now, and I reached out to a few friends in my own life and said, hey, I'm dealing with this issue. Can you be praying for me? I need you to help carry me to the feet of Jesus. And one of those friends I reached out to is a friend from seminary who lives in Kentucky now, and he texted me earlier this week and said that uh, he was praying, him and his family pray for me every night before they go to bed. And they had this little two-year-old daughter and uh, he said that the other night we were praying, and the daughter said, all right, it's time, for, it's time for us to pray for Jeremy, Texas now. 
which is what I guess my name is. But we need people like that in our lives, that even the voice of a child, the voice of a two-year-old has a powerful prayer to carry us right to the feet of Jesus. Do we have those in our lives who will tear open the roof for us, who will pray for us with the joy of a child that says it's time to pray for Jeremy, Texas now? It's time to pray for my friend. It's time to pray for the one whom I love that they might experience Jesus. Do we have a prayer life like that? Do we have a faith like that? And then finally, the third group that needed an encounter with Jesus was the crowd. The crowd needed to be amazed by Jesus. Notice what it says here in the last three verses of this passage. Jesus says, But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them and took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God, and they were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. We have seen remarkable things today. Friends, just think about this for a moment. When was the last time that you felt like Jesus really amazed you? Like, pause for a second and just think, when was the last time you saw Jesus move in the life of someone that you know and it filled you with a sense of awe and wonder. Because that's what it does here for the crowd here in this story. That the people see Jesus do a miracle in the lives of someone in their midst, and they light up with joy and faith and enthusiasm for God. It shakes us from our stupor when we see Lord, the Lord doing a miraculous thing among us. It awakens us from our spiritual deadness when we see the evidences of Christ being alive in our midst, that we are a forgetful people. And so we need these fresh reminders that Jesus is indeed alive and that Jesus is indeed moving among us. Do we need to be amazed by Jesus once again? There's this uh, verse in Acts uh, the gospel writer Luke, who continues his gospel in the book of Acts, he says this in Acts 1, verse 3, writing to Theophilus, he says, After Jesus' suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. I just love that part, that he gave them many convincing proofs that Jesus was indeed alive. And I love that image, and I think that that's an image that we can capture here for our churches. Are we like those early disciples looking for the proofs that Jesus is indeed alive, that he is indeed moving among us, that we are looking for the fingerprints of God, the inbreaking of the kingdom of God into our midst? Are we seeking those things out so that we can be amazed at what God is doing in our lives. Because when we are amazed by God, when Jesus wows us, when we see the miraculous movement of God in our lives, when we see that, it strengthens our faith, fills us with praise, and reminds us of the work that the Lord has called us to do, that I need to be reminded about what Jesus can do because I so quickly forget 
Church, do we expect remarkable things from God? Do we expect the Lord to love us like He loves this man here? Do we expect us, do we expect Him to do things like we read about in the pages of our Bible? Or do we think that this book is simply a relic from a bygone era that we just read about cool stories? Or are these the first fruits of what God wants to do in our lives, in the lives of those we love, in our relationships, in our job? Do we believe that Jesus is here and is willing to do those things once again? I want to close with a story um, from uh, Pete Gregg, who's one of my favorite uh, authors right now. He wrote a book called Red Moon Rising, which was the, the story of him launching the, the 24-7 prayer movement in England. About uh, probably 20 years ago now, Pete Gregg launched this 24-7 prayer movement where they have this prayer room where people are just praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, in places all across the country. And this book talks about uh, the start of that movement. And he said that the Lord just uh, stirred within him this desire to pray for God to move once again in the world in mighty and miraculous ways. And so they were praying and they said, well, Lord, send us to a place where there's a lot of darkness that could use a lot of prayer. And so they, they read in the newspaper that morning a story about the island of Ibiza, which the, the newspaper described as a modern Sodom and Gomorrah. And they're like, that sounds like the perfect place that needs prayer. And so him and his team, they go to the island of Ibiza, a known party island still to this day, and they just go to the different Christians on this island asking them for prayer, asking them, how can we pray for you? And they, they go to this one Anglican priest and they, in the island and they say, well, how can we pray for you? Anglican priest kind of stops for a minute and thinks, and he says, well, you know, we haven't had rain in quite a while. We're in a pretty bad drought right now. So if you could pray for rain, that would, that would really be wonderful. And Pete, when he's telling the story, he says, oh man, that's a, that's a big prayer, isn't it? Not only is that a big prayer, but it's a, it's a pretty demonstrable prayer where there's like evidences of did this prayer work or not, yes or no, because it'll either rain or it won't rain. And so he's like, all right, if you want us to pray for rain, we'll pray for rain. And so this group starts to just, you know, pray for rain and just ask the Lord to bring rain down to the island. And so they finish their prayer, they say amen, and then they leave. And Pete was saying, you know, like, I didn't really expect it to actually start raining. And he said, but as they're driving away, he said that they saw like these big raindrops just suddenly hit the window as they're driving away. And Pete was telling the story that in his mind, he's kind of like, oh, that's kind of weird. It's raining now. Didn't we, just, didn't we just pray for rain? What a weird coincidence that we prayed for rain. And now it's, now it's just seeming like it's starting to rain. And he said that the rainstorm just picked up more and more and more. And then it got to be so uh, heavy raining that it started to flood the island. And uh, they found out later that it was an unseasonable, unse out-of-season rainstorm, and it was the heaviest rainstorm that island had experienced in 30 years, and it started minutes after they had finished praying. And as they're driving away, he even said that he, was a, he got a text from a friend who was praying in St. Petersburg, which was hundreds of miles away in Russia, and he, he gets this text, and he says, Hey, Pete, I don't know if this means anything. It's the middle of the night here in Russia, but I'm here praying, 
And I felt the Lord tell me to give you this verse from 1 Kings 18. It's where Elijah goes and he prays for the rain. And then the rain comes to the Israel. And he's like, I don't know what this means. I think it's some type of spiritual metaphor for you or something. And Pete says he looks up to the windshield going like this. And he's like, this doesn't feel very metaphorical to me right now. And he talks about that story, and there was a, an article in the, the British newspaper that said, God Squad claims their first miracle. And it was about the, the praying for the rain, and it rained in Ibiza. And Pete, when he talks about that story, he says, you know, I don't know if it was our prayers that made it rain. So I do know is that we prayed, and then it started to rain. And oftentimes that happens a lot as I pray for something and then it happens. I pray for something and then coincidences happen. But he said in that moment as we were driving out of the rainstorm that we had just prayed for minutes earlier, I couldn't help but be amazed at what God wants to do. Church, do we hear stories like this? When I come up and I share stories about the movement of God in our world, do we think that those are just stories for them? Or do we believe that God desires to do something like that here among us, here in Bryan College Station? Do we believe that there is more to our faith than simply reading about the stories? Do we desire to be amazed by God once again? It is our birthright as children of God to see evidences of his kingdom here in our midst. Friends, let us seek that kingdom for ourselves, for others, and let us be filled with awe when, not if, but when, Jesus comes and makes his presence shown among us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you for listening with us. We hope that you have encountered the risen Jesus today. If you want to hear more, please consider subscribing. We would also welcome you to join us in person. For more information, please visit us at fmcbryan.org.